1: A series that I started called Living as Citizens of Heaven. Living as Citizens of Heaven. As I began to preach, I recognized the fact that most of you had not had a lot of teaching on the kingdom of heaven. So you've heard a particular gospel preached. That we just preach, you know, Jesus, we're happy, clappy, you know, this is about Christianity and religion. No, that's not what Jesus preached. If you read the Bible, you find that the one message that he constantly preached is this, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or it says the kingdom of heaven is now, or the kingdom of heaven is here. It all means the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is right here and right now. He didn't preach anything else. And then he began teaching these other things. I want to encourage you get grab hold of the podcast. I think we lost the second podcast. Marty, don't forget to hit to hit the stop button at the end of the service, so the podcast records. But as we were releasing these things, it's incredible when you understand the kingdom. Because when the kingdom is preached, uh, sickness has to go. When the kingdom is preached, demons flee. Now, some of you, you are new to the faith. You, you don't even know Christians from a bar of soap. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm going to try and make you, help you understand, because sometimes we preachers, we preach with Christian ease. And it's really hard to understand, so I'm going to just dumb it down for you. There are people today that are so demonized, because I, I do like Idiot's Guide to Preaching so I can understand it, so you know, you'll, you'll, you'll understand this. But when you begin to pray for people and you see the demons cast out, it's so, all of a sudden you realize, what? You mean this stuff is real? Yeah, I've been telling you, this stuff is real. So we talk about these things. I became an atheist in my second year in uni. And uh, I didn't know I was until my two best friends who I led to the Lord contacted me, interestingly enough, in the same week. And they called me one by one and said, Paul, I don't believe in Jesus or this Christian stuff anymore. Another one says, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the devil nonsense anymore. I'm sorry. And I wanted to preach to them and say, oh, you know, God is real. And in that moment, as each one spoke, it hammered home. I don't believe this stuff either. So I said to the Lord, look, I, just a simple prayer. I, it was like earth shattering. You gotta understand. I'm a, My dad was a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. My mom was a pastor. Her father was a rabbi. So it's in the blood. And but now I, I'm. I'm. An, I don't believe any of this anymore. So I said the simple prayer. God, if you're real, show yourself to me. But I'm not going to church anymore. Okay. You got to show yourself to me because I'm. I'm playing a hypocrite here. You got to show up. I'm not saying you guys shouldn't do the same thing. It was just my journey because I knew I was being religious by coming, and I had not yet experienced him for myself. I accepted him into my life as a kid because mom and dad, you know, provided opportunities, great. But everyone has to have an opportunity as an adult, to choose for yourself. Sarah's got this incredible testimony. I'd really love you to share it sometime about your faith. In fact, if you're ready to do it today, I'd love you to come up because i got my daughter about to share. Sarah, how you? Could you come up? And I ask Atalia to come forward as well. I've got a testimony. Is it okay? Are you all right? No? Nope. Okay, great. Come come on, sis. let's encourage them as they come up. You come over here, stand on this side. San next to Sarah so she doesn't feel too much. So, when you saw Sarah up here sharing, I'm seeing her dad weeping before the Lord because there's a story to tell that you don't know about. Can you tell them what's happened? Because they have no idea. They just see Sarah, woman of God, powerful, you know, sh- sharing the gospel, but they don't know your story. So can you just tell the guys, what has Jesus done for you since you've been at Live City Church?
2: Come up here. So. Well, this is really loud. <laughs> ah! <laughs> um. We were brought up um, going to church and stuff, but I never took – well, actually none of us really took in what God or who God was. Um, So I moved to Australia in 2006, um, and my dad ended up moving here to Australia. So when he moved, um, I was one of the last ones to go to church at all or even start listening to what he was saying to us. Um, (laughs) uh, The black sheep. Um, but not literally. (laughs) We have like a literal, no, that's fine. Um, so he would ask me every Sunday if I went to church. Um, and so before Sunday came, I'd always have an excuse. Um, majority of the time they were just lies. Um, so I started going to church to please him pretty much. Um, and something shifted when I started going, when I first started going, it was just so that he wouldn't ask me anymore, so I wouldn't be convicted. Um, but then it shifted. I started enjoying it and looking forward to Sunday, to hearing the message. Um, and then we, we always heard, he would always preach to us um, at home. Every situation in our life, he would always give us the Bible's interpretation of what we were going through um, or what God says about what it is we're going through. So we always heard these things, but I'd never read them for myself or really took them in for myself um, until I started hearing them from church. So sometimes if somebody close to you is saying, well, God is saying, you don't really take it until someone else says it to you. Um, So I started hearing these things at church and thought, oh, he does know what he's talking about. Um, uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I just had a revelation on my own. So I started looking instead of looking to people or to ask anyone, so first it was like, oh, I was too embarrassed to ask anyone the answer of any of the questions I had. Um, so I turned to God and I, I started looking into his word and looking for the answers for myself. Um, and that's how I got real revelation of who God is and who I am in him. So what's happened since then? Um, since then, so much has changed. I used to be, I was never confident um, just because I never knew who I was. Um, I never knew where I would fit. Um, yeah basically I didn't know who I was so I was sort of like this counterfeit walking around as if I knew like I looked like I knew but I didn't Um, everywhere I'd go I felt like I wasn't accepted anywhere so I would try and fit in and do what they'd done or sort of be someone they wanted me to be Um, but since since coming to God he has just given me a boldness and a confidence to really step out in what he wants
1: that's so awesome what a great testimony thank you so much Sarah and yeah, over here, you, yeah, you can go now. You can find your seat. Just can I go? Come over here. Now, I, I love it when uh, my kids are better than I was as a believer in Jesus. <laughs> they, they really love the Lord. They know the word of God. And my wife said last night to our elder, she goes, when I grow up, I want to be like you. <laughs> You know, we, we really mean that. You guys are doing such a great journey. And this kid comes up to me this morning saying, and she apparently found out, told her mom, I'm going to share my testimony in church this morning. And she came to see me. So I've got to let her share this story.
3: Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, so a little background. You know, two parents, as I've grown up, were pastors. So grown up in the church all the time. Gone to Malaysia, done some journaling, read the Bible. That's you know, typical Christian routine. But I always wanted to have a sign from God because I've always heard stories of people who have not found God and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, a sign. And they come to church and I'm like, that's so cool. But I've never actually really had a sign. So I was getting upset with God and I started to, just as every Christian does, I started to just doubt if he really was real. And I hated the feeling that I had to doubt him. So I prayed to God and I was like, please show me a sign to show me that you're really real because I hate having these doubting feelings that you're real or not. And so then last week in the car as we're driving a dance, dad and I just talking about life. And then all of a sudden we just came to the topic about God. And then Dad starts talking about how people start to doubt God's existence. <laughs> <laughs> and then I never actually told Dad that I had these feelings though. And so all of a sudden it was like, yo, light bulb. And I was like, okay, God, I see you. Okay, sorry. And then I also had feelings like of rebellion because as a pastor's kid, you know, always growing up in the Christian church and then you feel the need to just rebel. Because, yeah, anyway. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so <then laughs> and so I just had this, like, little voice in my head for a while that was like, oh, just go on, break out of that pastor's kid's mould, you know, go on, just go against that rule. And then... As we we're on the car, Dad then moves on from doubt to talking about how pastors' kids rebel, and I was like, "Okay, wow." So then it really was God actually showing me that He is real, and I don't need to ever doubt Him or rebel against Him. So yeah, that's,
1: cool. that's fantastic. Thanks so much. And you might be going through a journey yourself where you're challenged, or for some of you just trying to find God, you know, and I'm just so grateful that the Lord brought you here today. You're not here by accident. Some of you thought, oh, i just come along today. You don't understand. The Holy Spirit moves people to places, to nations, to churches. You're here on purpose, and God has something for you. So lean in with me. I'm going to shorten the message. We will finish on time. Pray, and it will happen. So, uh, let's just get into the word Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 to 30. That's the key passage for the theme of the messages. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 to 30. So turn there. If you if you don't have a Bible, but you've got a a phone, just go on your Google or your Safari and type in at the top of the address Phil PHIL short for Philippians 1 colon 27-30. And your browser will bring up the scripture, okay? Redeem your smart device for Jesus, and then you can put it away. (laughs) Amen. All right. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 to 30, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, above all, he's saying the most important thing, you must, look at these words, you must live as citizens of heaven conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. You'll find this on the first podcast. It's possible to live a life unworthy of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So I began to break that down. The first message was about conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news, and we spoke about the kingdom. What's it like to live as a citizen of the kingdom? Sadly, the podcast for the second one isn't there, about being together, standing together as one, and today I'm going to finish it off with fighting together. So we stand together, and we fight together. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, If you're taking notes, just write it down, don't turn to it. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says to Timothy, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is the prayer that every believer in Jesus wants to say when you're old and you're graying, that we're able to say, Man, I fought the good fight of faith. It isn't easy. To follow Jesus. I want to tell you now, some of you know, go, oh, it's so hard. I know. We've been there with you. The temptations that come flying at you, the hell that's thrown at you, it's hard. You might be working with workmates that are just dragging you back into the world and you're struggling real hard. Lee pulled himself out of the construction game. He is reinventing himself. It's really hard being a Christian in the construction game. The F words and the bombs flying everywhere. And you're trying to live a righteous lifestyle. It's really hard. Am I right? It's hard to do these things. And we we struggle with these things, you know, as Christians. We want to be spoon-fed, the bread of life. Some of you guys drag yourself Sunday. You know, you're thinking, Pastor, you better have a good word because I had a tough week. Okay, you gotta preach to me. You better make it good. It's counting today. I'm leaving you and walking the church up the road. I'm gonna check them out instead. If you can't do it for me. We want things to be comfortable in life. And when and life starts throwing hell at you, you're like, God, you can't be in this. You said you were my God. The Bible says God will throw you in the hell. Okay? To see how you will react. He wants to test the Word in your heart. He does it for you not to you, for you, because He made you more than overcomers. We want to be heard by God when things go wrong. And We expect God to fix it right now, right away. We say prayers like this, God, make me patient, and I want it now. And so God throws things, He just waits. And He waits, where's the answer you told me you're going to give me? I'm used to ask for patience. I'm giving you patience. And if He doesn't, fix it right away we cry and we moan and we make sure everybody knows by posting it on facebook don't look at the person next to you because right now they're being convicted by jesus can you relate to this and don't answer straight away it's a rhetorical question because i've just described my kids to you when they were babies and toddlers I want to be spoon-fed. I don't want to eat that one. I don't want to eat that one. I don't like my... Actually, they like their vegetables. I don't want to eat the Brussels sprouts. You know, I don't like this chair. It's uncomfortable. I want that one. We are created by God as kids in the faith, right? we, we were born again, and we're supposed to grow and become men and women of God. So when hell is blowing at you, you become the world, uh, the devil's worst nightmare, That's what I want to live for. I want the devil. I said this uh, a couple weeks ago. I want. I want it so that when I wake up, the devil says, "Oh no, not him again." (laughs) When trouble comes, people react to it differently. Some come alive through trouble and hardship, and others are just smashed through adversity. They just want to bury their head in the sand. I want to challenge you today to fight together. Don't do it alone. We're going to fight together. So I want to break some of these words down in the time that we have, tell you some stories, and hopefully you'll understand why it's so important to understand this concept because your greatest victory is ahead of you, okay? You only get victory through battles. Some of you want to be great men and women of God without a battle. (laughs) Guys, it doesn't work that way. You can't win battles if you're not in the battle. You actually have to be in the battle. And on the other side of victory, that's when God begins to award you. See, in the army, I never was in the army, you were, they award you medals of valor, medals of honor, after you've been through a difficult situation. When you're just doing a normal job and everything's okay, you don't get awarded medals for that. Come on, wake up, smell the flowers. You get medals when you go through hardship. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, the second portion in the New Living Translation, I liked it this way. It says, fighting together for the faith. Not just fighting, fighting together for the faith. In the NIV, it uses a different word. Contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. What it means is not contending individually. It means contending as one so that we become one man, one weapon. God can use us together. It's interesting digging deeper into the root meaning of the word conduct. Here's the thing when you read the Bible, you read it one way, but did you know there's layers upon layers of knowledge that some of us will never understand? Takes a lifetime. So I I do these things for you. That word to conduct yourselves, this is another translation. It's a Greek word polytume. I can't even pronounce it. It comes from the root word pelome, meaning warfare. You are in warfare. In life, you are in warfare. The Bible says that there's a, a devil that goes around seeking whom he may devour. He wants to take you down. Sometimes you wonder, gee, it feels like I'm so cursed. It feels like life is hard. Yeah, there's an enemy fighting against you. He does not want you to understand who God is. He doesn't want you to understand the principles that God's laid out for you because your life starts changing for the better. And not only that, you become an, an arsenal in the in the a weapon in the arsenal of God, and the enemy hates it. So God is trying to set you up for success. So the K- King James Version uses the word strive. I began d- digging deeper. What does it mean? It has this meaning of to mean this: to wrestle in the company with, okay? Or in other words, a company of wrestlers. We're supposed to wrestle together. I looked up the the old Greco-Roman style of wrestling. What they used to do is there was two types of wrestling. There's the ones on the ground that we know of today. But the ones that they usually did back in the day, especially among the Greeks, is you don't fall to the ground, but you were wrestling on your feet, and you try and grab the person and throw them on the ground. The devil wants you to floor you. He's trying to take you out. And if you don't understand how he works, and if you don't understand the power you possess, he's going to get you down. He'll take you down. He'll take you down on your back, get your shoulder down to the ground, until you finally say, I give up. Okay? But the Bible says you are made more than overcomers. Can I keep going? Yeah. Let me go deeper. When it uses the word fight in, this tra- in your translation, it's the Greek word agonizo which refers to a struggle, a fight, great exertion. This is your walk with Jesus. If you're wondering why it's so hard, yeah, it, well, the Bible says it is. It's a fight, great exertion, great effort. It is where we get the word agony from. A word often used, this word agonizo in the New Testament, so it's translated as fight here, but it's also translated as anguish, pain, distress, and conflict. It comes from the word agon, the root word, which is the word that depicted the athletic conflicts and competitions so famous in the ancient world, again alluding to a wrestling match. But the Bible says you don't wrestle alone. You got people right next to you, left and right, who can pray with you. That's why we brought these guys up to pray together, because when you join with me in prayer, the enemy doesn't have a chance. We're smashing the enemy on his face. Paul the Apostle laid the hammer down to the church at Corinth at one point. He wrote the letters initially for this one purpose, because they were filled with envy. They were so much like the world. They wanted stuff. They were trying to keep up with the Joneses. Oh, he's got this new car. Well, I want that new car. And they began fighting and quabbling over things. And they're supposed to be Christians. We don't do that, guys. We trust the Lord. So Paul pens this letter, and he says to them, he says, the reason why you're fighting and bickering and wanting these things is because of the envy in your heart you got to get it out of you. And he says this, you have not because you ask not. Some of you, you're like, oh, man, I wish I could have that thing. Just ask the Lord. Okay? If he wants you to have it, and more often than not he does, he'll give it to you. I was amazed as a kid growing up in Indonesia on the mission field. My parents, when they started their mission, they were not being supported by any mission group. And back in the day, even today, you can't exchange Australian currency. It's the craziest thing. The banks won't do it. So my parents had nothing. They were living by faith. We lived on nothing, but it was extraordinary. I remember, I never prayed. I, just, I remember just thinking one day, my, my, my shoes, my dress-up shoes have holes in them now. God, it would be really great to have a new pair of shoes. Not really a prayer, just a thought. The next day, someone would come around. This happened time and time again. Someone would come with a pair of shoes to give away to the church, and it only fit me. (laughs) Amazing thing. I would have a hole in my pants, and someone would come two days later or the next day or that day, and they're giving a bunch of clothing to our family, and sure enough, they fit me perfectly. Time and time again, every time there was a need. You have not because you ask not. The Bible is inviting you to ask. Half the time you're contending for things because of the envy in your heart. Okay, get it out. God wants you to have good things. Focus on the kingdom. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom. Remember, all about the teaching is kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Because the king wants to look after his subjects. He loves you. He wants you to be blessed. You know why? The glory of a king is when his subjects are clothed, when his subjects are fed and they look good. That's why the queen of Sheba, she wasn't looking for the high buildings and the castles. She looked at the common man to see how they were clothed. And the servants were clothed in the most ridiculously amazing clothes. That's when she realized the glory of the king is how the subjects were dressed. God has to look after you. It's in his best interest to bless you because it makes him look good. It's the glory of the king. God will look after you. We're not called to fight other battles in the kingdom. We're called to fight the fight of faith. That's what these passages are talking about. We don't fight with people. That's not what the Bible is encouraging us to do. We don't fight with physical strength or resources. Christians have tried and failed in the past to wage war in their own strength. The Bible tells us in Zechariah 4.6, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's a different way of fighting. I remember my old senior pastor once told me this story. He was uh, from New Zealand, and he told me the story when he was a youth pastor in the time of revival, and the churches were just crazily getting big, and the hippies were turning to Jesus, all the drug addicts and all coming to Jesus by the thousands. One pastor had a church of thousands, one of the largest churches, I won't say where because you might know this pastor, in New Zealand, let's just say that. And he was growing and he began saying to himself, I'm going to take down the strong man over New Zealand. So he began to pray by himself fast and pray over the nation of New Zealand thinking he could do it by himself. So unfortunately, things ended poorly. Temptations were thrown his way and he fell into immorality. And then he lost his faith. To this day, this guy does not know the Lord. He's completely gone. His church is folded up. It's destroyed. All because he thought he was doing it in his own strength. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 12.9, it tells us this. Some of you are fighting and fighting and fighting. You're contending in prayer. And you're feeling so weak. Listen to this. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. It's enough. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God needs you to be weak in order for his power to be made perfect. Some of you are trying to be perfect before you go to battle. You want to be perfect before you're able to do the things that you feel God's called you to do. Don't wait. Now is the time and all your weakness and all your mess. God's going to turn things around because his plan for you is so that you would overcome and that he would give you territories to bring down. You are not just here occupying a pew in the church. I don't see you as that. If you want to understand the way I see you as a pastor, you are with me as fellow ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to get you. Let me tell you this. The one job of every pastor, it's the same week after week, is to help you to discover who you really are. You are here to make disciples and turn a nation around. There are people that you can reach that I simply cannot reach. Lee goes out ministering among the drug addicts on a weekly basis. I don't know if you can still do that with your studies. But his heart is so filled. He wants to evangelize. He's a new Christian. God's doing crazy stuff with him. He's growing because he's ministering. You can't grow unless you minister we got guys like Bapa and Yvette who are feeding the poor. They're so drawn. They're growing by leaps and bounds because they're serving. Have a look at our own brother, Bruce McLean. I think he's outside serving week after week. He's a great teacher of the word. And you know what? I could say he may be a better teacher than me, and yet he's there serving week after week. My brother Petuelli here doesn't say anything. Great teacher of the word. I know you, bro. And he's just there quietly, humbly, just serving you because that's what he feels called to do. He's a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm just blessed that God gave me the mic, and I hope I can do it justice. But you got to understand, church, wake up. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're going to shake territories, and we're going to do it together, fighting together. Your weakness does not excuse you from battle. The enemy takes great joy in taking advantage of Christians when they're feeling down, when they're feeling weary, when you're feeling disillusioned. Oh, he has a party over you. We fight battles in the supernatural realm through faith. But a soldier, come on, you can give glory to the Lord. But a soldier in the thick of battle, you can't just get up and leave the battle. You're there to fight a war. Your own soldiers, your own army is going to kill you if you're trying to run away. Actually, we don't. Actually, we do do that, don't we? It's awful. (laughs) Don't run away. We do this together. We're stronger together. So why does the Bible say it's a good fight of faith? You notice that in the word? It's a good fight of faith. It ain't that good to fight. I hate fighting. I hate battling. But I have to do it. But there's a reason why. It's called a good fight. It's called a good fight of faith because there's a good reward that comes from fighting in battles when you win. To the victor go the spoils. It's good because this kind of battle is winnable. God will never put you in a battle that he hasn't already prepared you to win. It is amazing. Yes. So whatever hell you're going through right now, I don't know your personal situation. God has already set you up to win. You're just going to be floating on cloud nine when you get to the other side of your victory, okay? It's almost there. Stay in the fight. Resist the devil. He will flee. It's a good fight of faith because every battle in faith is worth the sacrifice when the treasure is so great. You don't know what God has for you on this side of the timeline, but I can promise you and assure you it's good. The Bible tells us in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. A commentary says this. What they're trying to say is this, that Jesus' kingdom inauguration, in, other, in, in order for his kingdom to be released on earth, it necessitates a clash between God and evil. The reason why you're going through hardship, the reason why you're going through this challenge in your life is because you are doing the right things. You're bringing the kingdom into enemy territory, and he's trying to throw hell at you. But God created hell for the devil, (laughs) and you're his worst nightmare. Turn to the person next to you tell him, you're his worst nightmare. Let me challenge you with a thought. I want to be like David. How many know the story of King David? Yeah. Three hands went up. How many people know the story of David, King David? Some of you don't know. How many of you know the story of David and Goliath? Yeah. Okay, now we got some hands going up. He was a little dude at 13 years of age when he took on a giant. Uh, just imagine this. Uh, is that about, living? so Goliath would have been about the, the pinnacle of that roof height and built tough. Huge. So this little kid fights a big dude like that, takes him down. It's an incredible story. But let me just just bring it down to the initial key thoughts I want you to get, because the sake of time. I want to be like David. Why? Because David understood the numbers. He said to King Saul, trying to argue why he should fight. He had to give a reason why. He says, "This, this uncircumcised Philistine he was, He's was using the word uncircumcised to say this guy has no claim with God, the Father. He has no power. He has no protection at all, but we're covered. I'm covered, so I can take him down. In fact, he's trying to give reasons. I'm not just a shepherd boy, uh, just singing songs. He says, I'm a shepherd boy. Whenever wolves or lions or bears came to attack my sheep, I have to defend them because it's my hide if I don't protect my sheep. So he takes down lions and bears, a little kid. She so says, "If God can give me the lions and the bears, God's going to give me this giant. I'm going to win this battle." He understood the numbers. Romans eight thirty one says, "What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us?" I want to be like David, because he knew he always had an option. Some of you guys are crying like the world, like the pagan. Oh, everything's so bad. It's just so horrible. You have an option. Pray. If you're asking your pastor, what do I do when hell breaks loose? I get on my knees and pray. The harder the problem, the lower I go. Some days, I'm going to tell you, some days I am crawling on the carpet with my nose dragging on the floor. I had to throw that carpet out to be washed because my dog peed all over it, so I don't do that anymore. But I I just go on the tiles now because I mop it, and then I'm just crawling on the tiles. You think I'm joking. I actually do that. My face is to the ground, and then God does a battle for me. I battle in prayer. He battles in the spiritual realm and does it in the natural realm. Here's another reason I'm going to be like David. He always had hope. There's a world of problems weighing people down outside the kingdom, but they don't have the hope that you have. Why don't we stand to our feet as we close this morning? The great evangelist and pastor, Smith Wigglesworth, once told a story of a night when he could not sleep he was tossing and turning and tossing and turning and he had frightening nightmares every time he tried to go to bed but at one point in time he woke up and he looked and he saw the devil was sitting on his bed at that point he realized what one is went on and he said oh it's just you and he went back to bed and had the quietest, deepest sleep he had in a long, long time. The devil does not stack up to you. You are way more powerful than the enemy. It could be because God is with you. Have a good night's sleep. Sleep in the middle of the storm. The Bible tells us that Jesus fell asleep in the boat in the middle of a storm. Why? Because the peace within him was greater than the storm outside. And when you're at peace inside, you can enforce that peace outside in Jesus' name. Can I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning as I close in prayer.
0: Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at lifecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.